at this time and uh, present their ministry, and uh, he'll be preaching as well tonight. So, brother, we're glad you're here. You're among friends, and I'll turn it over to you. Thank you, Pastor. Good evening. All right. Uh, I want to thank you all. Thank you, church, for letting us come tonight and uh, present our mission burden to the Philippines. And uh, I'm glad the boys and girls are in here. We'll do a few tricks tonight. Uh, you adults can enjoy it too, okay? Yeah. Uh, my name is J.B. Tarwater. If you wonder what that stands for, it means Juan Burrito. Okay, that's Juan Burrito. Now, I've been a children's preacher for so many years that if you don't have a sense of humor, you, you're going to be in trouble, right? The, the reality is when I was 16, I didn't want anybody to know what J.B. stood for. So I went to get my license. I put on the application, J only, B only, Tarwater, and my license came back, J only, B only, Tarwater. So... That's a true made-up story right there. That's a true made -up. No, but uh, my name is J.B. Tarwater, and this is my wife, Marie. She happens to have the same last name as me. That worked out really good. So. And, and so uh, we are missionaries headed to the Philippines. And uh, we're going to show a video here in just a second, show you a few pictures, try to take you by way of pictures to the Philippines, take you on a, on a little trip to the Philippines, and then we'll get into the Word of God, okay? Now, we do have a, a table in the back, and please go back there and... Uh, does anybody get one of these prayer? We have a prayer card and a Bible bookmark prayer card. Did anybody get one of these? You get one of those? All right. You know what? I should have told you before I gave you one or you took one. They're not free. Yeah. They cost you one prayer. You got a prayer in you? All right. Do you all believe in prayer? Amen. That's what these are for. They're for prayer. Amen. So please take one and pray for us. Uh, pray that we'll get, get there quickly. Uh, we plan to be there uh, by December 10th this year. Uh, into the Philippines full-time. Uh, we started deputation January 2020, and here we are at 87%. And so we're just ready to get there. Amen? Amen. All right. And uh, so without uh, any further, uh, well, I'll give you a little testimony so you can know just a little bit about us, and then we'll, we'll show you the video. Uh, well, let's just start at the beginning. When I was born, I was very young, okay? And uh, I grew up. <laughs> And uh, as I was growing up, I went to a small, I went to a very small church out in the, out in the woods, uh, out in the, in the hills of the state of misery. And uh, it was a little tiny church, and I heard the gospel when I was a little boy. I heard it in Sunday school, I heard it in VBS, I heard it at church. But I never put my faith and trust in the Lord. I never repented of my sins and, and put my faith and trust in the Lord until right out of high school. And then I went on to Bible college, and at Bible college, I was challenged... <laughs> to surrender my heart and my life to the Lord. So I, I came forward uh, during chapel hour and to, to an old-fashioned altar, similar just like what these steps are right here, just an old altar like that, and uh, surrendered my heart and my life to the Lord. And at that moment, the Lord called me to preach. Amen? Uh, so from now, I was already serving, but from that point on, I began to teach and preach every single week all the way through right now. Amen? Uh, if you want to know more, just come back to the table and we'll be able to tell you, you know, go deeper. My wife... Uh, she began going to church at the age of four and started in ACE school at the age of five. And she went all the way through school at, at her church there, Hillside Bible Baptist Church in the Philippines, the only church she's ever been to and, uh, or been a member of. <laughs> she's been to a lot of them here in the U.S. But, but, uh, uh, and she got saved at the age of nine in Sunday school. She got baptized, joined the church, and then on Saturday started going to KFC. Now here that means delicious chicken, right? Yeah. <laughs> There it means kids for Christ, okay? So she literally, uh, as kids reaching kids. 
She literally, growing up, was in church every single day at school and then Saturdays and Sunday, all right? And uh, over the course of many uh, missions trips uh, over the years, I've been to the Ukraine, I've been to Peru, and then I went to the Philippines. Now, in any of those missions trips or anytime you hear a missionary come, you probably think like I did, uh, oh, I could help them or I'd like to help them, but you never had peace. You got to have peace. That's what the Lord wants you to do. But uh, So I'd always come back and never have peace about being there. But when I went to the Philippines, it flipped. When I was there, I had peace. When I came back here, I didn't have peace. Amen. So I sat down with my pastor after my first missions trip to the Philippines. I knew the Lord was calling me. And I said, Pastor, can we talk? And he said, sure. And so I went to him and he said, before I could say a word, he said, you're moving to the Philippines, aren't you? You see, he already knew. And then you're going to see in, in, the, in the video here that at the very end, there's a verse. And I'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. Uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 15, that's the verse that the Lord used to solidify in my life, in my heart. And so on my second missions trip, I met my wife there, and uh, she heard me preach at a family Bible camp and went, wow, I got to have that guy? Who am I to say no? Mm-hmm. All right, her story's a little different, but mine's the best. All right, so that's just a little bit about us. We're going to show you the video here. And, uh, you know, one of our theme verses you'll find at the very top of our cards is Jude 22, where the Bible says, and of some have compassion, making a difference. Amen? So we're going to play the video for you, and then we'll, we'll look at some pictures. The Philippines is the very definition of paradise. The beauty of this place is captivating. The Philippine archipelago is comprised of over 7,500 islands. These islands are home to lush forests, magnificent beaches, and are teeming with incredible wildlife of every sort. But more than that, what makes the Philippines truly special is the people. On the 2,000 inhabited islands, over 100 million people call the Philippines home, with some 10 million abroad. While serving in the Philippines, I plan to be focusing on the northern island of Luzon, specifically in the Olongapo, Subic Bay, and Manila areas. The modern and large cities, like the capital of Manila, stands in stark contrast to the rural population that make up half of the country's population. Hello, my name is J.B. Tarwater. I have been at Cross and Crown Baptist Church for almost 26 years. And for 25 of those years, I have been the children's director, um, that is, children's preacher for Children's Church 
and I also do the bus ministry, visitation, VBSs, and Bible clubs, and other things. For several years, the Lord has been working in my heart and my life, and I feel like I need to evangelize children around the world. I believe that all the experience and everything that I have done in the Lord's work to this point has led me to this very moment in my life. And that is that I have surrendered by God's calling to the mission field of the Philippines, specifically the Northern Island of Luzon that has a high concentration of street children and orphans. The reason there's so many street children in this particular area is because there was a huge Navy base there at one time and men from other countries all over the world would come in and because the population is so poor, the ladies would offer themselves for money. And so there was a lot of orphan kids, a lot of unwed mothers, and this has perpetuated itself for now uh, a second generation. And so the, there's estimated 1.5 million street children in the Philippines. Human trafficking is a major problem in certain parts of the country with some of the highest concentration of abandoned children in the Olongapo and Subic Bay area. I love it here in the United States, but I don't want to be here anymore. I want to be there in the Philippines, reaching the boys and girls in the local churches, training them, teaching them, and those orphans or orphaned boys and girls on the street with little or no hope. I want to be able to reach out and tell them about the love of Christ and tell them they can know for sure they're going to heaven when they die by putting their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and give them hope and give them education and a future so that they can go on and serve the Lord on their own. I will be working with seasoned missionaries from the U.S. and local indigenous independent fundamental Baptist churches and pastors and new church plants. My focus will be towards orphaned and street children and Bible family camps, working with local Bible clubs, VBSs, and witnessing and discipling and training others for the ministry through Bible Baptist Seminary and ministry-related workshops. So I am asking my brothers and sisters in Christ to support this mission of God's doing through prayer, giving, and if possible, going. Paul and he's referring to the ministry there he's referring to those that he's trying to reach uh, I'm not saying I'm Paul but it resonated with my heart and what he's saying there I'll very gladly spend now you know Paul gave up every position and every possession he had to reach the lost and uh, and I've you know since the Lord called me to the ministry of uh, missions uh, I sold my house and all and my wife now says she's married to a homeless man Ladies, the only house she's had since we've been married in November 29, 2019, has been that Toyota Sienna van out there. That's a 2004. only has 330,000 miles on it. It's a puppy. So we've been riding around in that. Anyway, uh, so um, Paul says that he, he, he gave everything he had so that others would be saved. 
Then he goes on to say, and the more abundantly, he says, I will very gladly spend and be spent. Now, what does that mean? That, that means your time, your energy, your emotions, who you are. That's your, that's, that's your life. He gave his life so that others would know Christ. Amen? And so that's what we do. I don't, I don't have any, I didn't have and I don't have any debt. I didn't have and I don't have any hobbies. Uh, my pastor said I was just married to the ministry. Amen? And my wife's the same. She was in church every day of her life. And so we're, we're just sold. We're just giving our lives to the ministry. Amen? So that others will be saved. And then, so Paul says, though, the more abundantly I love you, the less I'd be loved. So what he's saying there, what is he equating love as? What is he saying? What is love to him? It's giving. It's giving. In fact, love is giving. What does it say in John three sixteen? For God so loved the world that he what? He gave. You see, and he didn't give something minor. He gave the best. Amen. And so Paul's saying there, I did all these things because I love you. And he says, though the less I be loved. Now, what does he mean there? He, basically, he's saying it's not about him. He's not looking to be popular. He's not looking to be loved or taken care of by, the, by those he's trying to reach and all that. He is, he, he's not interested in all that. He had a lot of that before then. And so he's just all in to try to reach souls for Christ. Amen? Amen. So that's, that's our testimony. That's our, now we're going to show you a little bit about the Philippines. And, uh, okay, the Philippines is a volcanic island nation. It's, a, it's an archipelago, but it's, it's really just for a bunch of volcanoes, okay, that people live on. And so we're going to be going to the northern island of Luzon. And if you squeeze it all together into a square or rectangle, it'd be about the size of Mississippi. But half of the Filipinos in the world live on the island of Luzon. That means there's over 55 million people on that one island. Now, that would be if you took all the people in Texas and all the people in Florida and put them into Mississippi with all the people in Mississippi along the coastline. That's how densely populated it is in the Philippines. In fact, Manila is the most densely populated city in the world. There's 110,000 people per square mile. Can't fathom that, can we? Can't even, can't even imagine that. So everywhere you go, there's people, people, people. And you know what? That means there's souls that need to be saved. Amen. Amen. And so on that island, we're going to be going to an area called a long pole. Uh, if you want to say, where's those tar waters going again? Can you think of a long pole? Just say a long, a long pole. That's where they're going, that long pole. All right, a long pole. Uh, it's Subic Bay. You may have heard of that because of the Navy base. Uh, maybe you've heard of the Bataan Death March. Uh, that's right at the heart of where we're going to be. All right, and so there's really 18 languages or more <laughs> uh, recognized in the Philippines, but they really speak two main languages. From a young child all the way up, they learn two languages simultaneously, Tagalog or Filipino, and guess what? English. So they speak English. They use the King James. They use the same songbooks you have or, or similar. And everything's in English. You, you, you have no problem. I've been there five times, and I don't need an interpreter. Okay. Now, I am learning the language, Okay. because when you learn the language, that touches the heart of the people that you're trying to reach. But I don't have to know it in order to be successful uh, uh, in the ministry. And my wife, she speaks four languages. And since we got married, it's five, the language of love. And she speaks four. You have to ask her what those are, okay? I, uh, I've, I've talked about, except for the religion, now there's, they still claim to be 
mostly Catholic. Eight out of ten people would tell you that they're Catholic. And so they have a lot, it's very rooted very deeply. They were a Spanish colony for 300 years, and of course, that's all Catholicism. The fastest growing religion is Muslim or Islam, which is about five or six percent and growing fast. Um, and then, so that leaves a very minute little tiny percentage that would be a born again Christian. Amen. All right. Uh, the money's different. It's, it's different there. The money's, we got some on the table if you want to see it. Uh, the fruit is a little different, but it's also very delicious. It's, it's mostly grown right there. Um, and then also you'll find that uh, some of the, uh, the food is different. They mainly eat rice most of the time. They'll eat some dried fish, which I liken to fish jerky. Okay. Uh, if you're having a special event like our wedding, then you'll have some of that lechon boboy, which is the, the pork there that you see. And the special guest gets a snap off an ear and eat an ear. So, Pastor, if you come and see me, I'll give you some pig's ear. <laughs> and, uh, yes, this, this meal on the left-hand side there, underneath that upside-down egg, how they serve them, is a big bunch of rice. You always get rice with every single meal, even at McDonald's. You always get rice. And, yes, ladies, that's, that does have the eyes on it. It does have the fins and some teeth. So, yeah. Uh, but then sometimes they feed you a meal and... You don't know if it's food or not on occasion. Uh, I said, hey, I'm going to be the best missionary. I am not, I am not, I'm going to eat whatever. I'm not going to turn down anything. I'll eat whatever they give me. And so we were at a VBS. We just finished. It was noon. They go in the mornings there because it's so hot. You pick up kids starting at 630 in the morning. And so we're done as they give me this hot bowl of soup. They'll eat hot, even spicy soup any time of day. My wife thinks a snack is spicy soup at 12 o'clock. I don't, at midnight, I don't think that, you know. But anyway, and so they give me this soup, and, and it's hot. And I look down in there, and I say, oh, there's rice in there. I can deal with that. Some green floaty things. I say, mm, I can handle that. But then at the time, I could only identify them as baby hands. And in my heart, I said, Lord, I can't eat baby hands. I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> now, I'll just tell you, before, when I was growing up, I was very poor. We're from the state of misery. Hey, we, we were a sustenance farm. You know what? I, I was raised by my grandparents, so I'm like a generational kickback, right? If you wanted breakfast, you got it from under the cow or under the chicken. If you, wanted, if you had to go to the bathroom, you had to go outside to the john. And if you wanted water, you went outside and pumped it from the well. This is a true story, okay? And so we, we ate every part of the chicken. I mean, if, if the chicken wasn't laying and making eggs for breakfast, it was dinner, okay? And I ate chicken legs, chicken gizzards, chicken wings, chicken necks. You know, one time I ate chicken lips. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's like, hmm? <laughs> no, no, I'm just joking. Just joking. But when they serve, does anybody recognize what these are? Chicken's feet. You knew that. Uh, has anybody ever eaten the chicken's feet? Uh, you're not from this country, are you? No. <laughs> the poorest of poor in this country don't eat chicken's feet. Okay. And so I didn't know what it was, but it was chicken's feet. It was fine. It tastes like the little grisly part of the end of a wing. You know, it's okay. My wife likes it. I, the, the animals are different. Okay, they have a water buffalo or a carabao. We have cows, okay? They have fruit bats. Now, the largest bat in the world actually grows in the Philippines. Did you know that? It's, it lives there. It's about this tall. It's called a flying fox because the head and the body looks like a fox. It actually has hair and a snout and ears and teeth. And, but when it opens its wings, it's seven-foot wingspan. This thing is massive, but don't worry. It only eats people from Oklahoma. <laughs> no, it, it only eats fruit. Uh, but they have the largest bat in the world, and they have the smallest primate. It, this is a monkey, and it's only about this tall. If, if you had a banana, it's about the size of a banana. 
But that's a, that's a full-grown monkey. It's called a tarsier. Uh, now, the Philippines as a nation, and when I say this, please understand I'm talking about 80 to 90 percent of the people. The bulk of the people are very poor. Their wages are very low. Uh, the cost of living is the same as it is right here in Oklahoma City. But just imagine yourself if you only made between $300 and $600 a month total. My wife's college educated. She made $220 a month full time. Okay? So you've got to take two or three families in a household to get up to $600. So you've got grandma and grandpa, and you've got the family, and you've got mom and dad, you've got kids. Now I say kids, that could even be 30-year-old, okay, uh, still living at home because they can't afford to live on their own. So if you made $500 a month total amount and the cost of living was the same here, you can imagine you'd have to give up a few things, right? First thing you'd have to give up would be a vehicle. You couldn't afford a car, the insurance, the gas, the maintenance. You couldn't afford it. So the number one mode of transportation there is public transportation or walk. And the number one mode of public transportation is called a jeepney. It's basically a bus with no windows and no doors. Uh, there's no air conditioning. And you get on this thing, and, and it stops. You run and jump on the back and squeeze in as tight as you can. And you pass your money up by hand. They pass the change back. Everybody's hands touch it. And then, uh, <laughs> but it's okay because you are sweating and squeezed in there with everybody else. And, and anyway, um, uh, yeah, I think, I think COVID goes in a complete circle before you even get off the bus. I'm not sure. <laughs> Just joking. Anyway, so, but the second mode of transportation is a jeepney. It, I'm, I'm sorry, it's a tricycle. Three wheels, that's why it's called tricycle. It's a motorcycle, typically a 125, 150, with a sidecar welded on it. And there, there's no air conditioning, no heat, no, no, I mean, they don't need heat. No uh, safety belts, nothing like that. So you squeeze as many people in there as you can to save money. Well, on this one that was in front of me, I counted nine Filipinos. Yeah. So a tricycle can fit nine Filipinos or one big American. <laughs> so it is a little diff difficult to travel over there if you're not used to that kind of travel. Uh, you can get on a bus like this. We're very limited in where they can take you. You can hitch a ride if somebody's got a ride. If you're going to another island, you can get on what's called a banca. It's a wooden canoe, and it has the arms that go out so you won't fall over. In fact, this is the first boat I got on. Uh, this is the very first place I went to preach. It's called Patmos Island Baptist Church now. Back then, it was just Patmos Island. And the first place that I preached in the Philippines was at a jungle church. You take the, the boat right up onto the shore, and there's no roads, there's no electricity, and there's no running water. Okay. Now, there's not very many of those places left, but there are still some remote. There's 2,000 inhabited islands, so there's some that are just remote. And so this is, this is that island. Uh, we took uh, some containers. Uh, you can see the fish there and the mountains of rice. Usually they just eat right on those banana leaves there. And so that's the first place I preached. There's a church there now called Patmos Island Baptist Church. And my buddy Jolin is the pastor. Amen. Now, when you get off right out of the city and you get into the neighborhoods, into the, the area where the people actually live, you may come across an apartment like this. Now, if there's any builders in here, can you see any code violations? Do you see any? <laughs> That's normal. Uh, and on top right-hand corner, this would be a normal house with, there's some trees in front of it, and they don't have laundry, they don't have a washer or dryer, so they hang your laundry out. Trust me, they hung my laundry out. And uh, so, but this is a normal bathroom. Actually, it's kind of a nice one. And so this would be your everyday bathroom in a, anywhere you go in the Philippines, um, especially in people's houses. Now, can anybody, just yell it out, do you see anything missing? 
A sink? That was the first thing I noticed when I walked into one, but that's a good one. What? The seat. <laughs> There's no toilet seat. There's no flusher. Anything else? No sink. No shower. No bathtub. No TP. No towel. And so when you go in there, uh, because all that stuff costs money. This is the very basic necessity. You turn the water on. If it's This one's nice because it's got the water coming inside the spigot there. You put it in a bucket, and then you got a scoop, and that's how you shower, and that's how you flush. That's how you wash, and you air dry. If you want TP, you got to bring it yourself. Okay? All right. Did I hear somebody say they want to come? Y'all want to come? <laughs> Open-air market. You can buy just about anything, fresh fruit, things from around the world. Um, now, the streets are always super busy. You can see there. People are walking and just right in between you and, and walking like that. When it cleared up one time for just a second, uh, th I took this picture because on the right-hand side there, you see that sign? It's to a prison. Now, I can't take pictures in the prison, but I go into the prison and I preach. Now, the prisons there are not like they are here. It's usually a big open area with bunk beds, and sometimes they even put the boys in there with the men, and that becomes a real mess. But, you know, for example, they don't feed you. So you have to beg, borrow, or steal, or fight for it unless your family brings you something. Uh, so it's not a place you really want to go. And so, but you know what? There's souls in there that need to be saved. Amen? Amen. There we go. Soul winning with, uh, this just happens to be with Marie's Church uh, and the Hillside Bible Baptist Church there. And it's a bus fit made for about eight people. I think we got 20 in there. And we just go door to door. And we knock on the doors. And, and so this is being typical neighborhood, a typical uh, house's some of the streets are paved, though, and uh, there's some ladies going to the door there. Um, you can see it's just a block building with whatever they can find for a roof uh, down the street, or this may have been a different day. I don't even remember. Uh, there was a block, partial block, and then they finished it off with bamboo because they couldn't afford, and then they just put some metal up there. Um, but you know what? There's souls in there that need to be saved. Amen? And as we go on visitation, uh, one day we came across this man named Christian, and he holds that uh, bar there. Uh, that bamboo pole with uh, buckets and he sells desserts 10 cents at a time. That's how he makes his living in those little cups. And so I bought some for the kids and you can see one of the tracks there and I, I led that man to the Lord that day along with another man. You know, the Philippines really is white to the harvest. It's, it's very, very open. And so uh, I also led a man named Toto to the Lord at the, at, uh, at the airport when we had a long layover, three or four hours. And he was an elderly gentleman, and after for about an hour, he had tears running down his face. And these are the words he said to me. He said, you're blowing my mind. I've never heard this before. Now, that should shock us that an elderly person has never heard the gospel. But it's not just there. It's here, too. Did you know that 10 churches a day close their doors right here in America? Yeah. They're not all gospel-preaching churches, but 10 churches close their door every day in America. You know... Europe is, or Europe is dead spiritually, but that's where the great preachers came here and preached revivals and churches were planted and missionaries were sent out, and we're slowly dying, so it's great to be in a church like yours and, and to talk to your pastor and see the outreach that you all are doing to try to win souls, amen, because we need good churches here in America, all right, and so we go on visitation door to door, but we also go and we take, uh, we do things like these two ladies here, the one in the white and the gray. They work six, seven days a week. You can probably understand that. Their husbands don't really, or if, they're, if they have any husbands, don't even come around much. So uh, we take church to them when they have to. I'll preach to them. The, we'll sing to them. And, in fact, the little girl in pink had been coming to church, to Marie's church for a while, 
And the week before this picture was taken, she got saved. And the week after this picture was taken, she went forward for baptism. And then Marie showed me about a month ago, and I was so happy to see her. And she's different, and she's in the church, and she's serving in the youth group still today, and that's about two years later. Amen? Praise the Lord for that. Change lives. All right, and then we go in-home Bible studies, but this is a counseling session I'm doing there. But we do Bible studies. We do it for evangelism. We do it for discipleship. We also do it for training. And because sometimes it's a lot easier, and they can't. sometimes people can't afford to come to see you at the church or wherever, and it's a lot easier for us to get to them than them to come to us. I'll give you an example. For Marie to go to seminary class, she had to walk out and find a tricycle, okay, and ride that as far as it could take her, and then get on a jeepney and take that to a certain spot and get off there. I think she met some friends at that point. And then they all got on another jeepney and took it to another area and then got on another tricycle and took it to the church unless it was flooded, and then they had to walk through the water, okay? That's just to get to class, all right? So you can see we're praying for, will you all help us pray for this? We are praying for a vehicle when we get there, something that we can pick people up, that we can go see them, we can take things to them. Because otherwise, you have to take everything on your back, and it's all public, and you can't turn around and say, hey, bus driver, can you turn around and take me back? I forgot something, okay? You can't do that. And now, one of my favorite things that we do is street preaching, and this is where we actually go into the streets, and we get the, the, the children that live on the streets, if, if they're that, that area, and we get the kids in the house, and we have them all come out, and we say, hey, we got a preacher here. He's going to do a trick for you, and we usually give them some kind of food, either a sweet bread called pound of sauce, like a little biscuit, or uh, some spaghetti, which is really just noodles and sweet ketchup. That's what they like. If The way I like in their spaghetti sauce there is if you take ketchup and mayonnaise and mix it together, that's exactly what it looks and tastes like to me. All right, but they love it. So I'll do a trick for them. Now, I'm just going to do this real quick tonight, but I preach a whole message behind this, okay? So I'll take a coloring book, and I'll say, look, before you knew the Lord, your, your life is in. Oh, did you all see that? Did you see that? Oops, sorry. Okay, before you know the Lord, your life is empty and vain, and there's no true love, peace, or joy in your heart. Amen? But if you ask Jesus to forgive you, he'll wipe away all your sin. Okay? But not only that, he'll add back in love and joy and peace. Okay? It's not as effective if you blow it at the beginning. Okay? <laughs> but I'll take something like this. I take these everywhere because they're just so easy to take with you. And I'll just say, let's say this represents your sin, each rope. Okay? And you look at this, you go, wow, look at all my sin. There's no way God could forgive me and take me to heaven. But the Bible says that the Lord would that all come to saving, to repentance and saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? But you might say, okay, well, then I'm like everybody else. I'm no different than them. I don't have any more or any less. But the Bible says we're not to compare ourselves with other people, but only with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you might say, you know what? I'm better than them. Look, I don't have as much sin. I don't go where they go or do what they do. But the Bible says there's none perfect except the Lord Jesus Christ. So you see, the Lord does not see us the way we see ourselves. He sees us all exactly the same, sinners needing a Savior. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take all these ropes of different size and make them all the same size right before your eyes. You think I can do it? No believers. Wow, okay. Oh, man, this is a hard crowd. Okay, all right. Well, you got to help me out then, okay? Say long rope. Oh, that was bad. Okay, okay. All right, I don't want to get them mixed up. Okay, say medium rope. Thank you. Much better, much better. Oh, don't get them mixed up. Okay, short, whoop, short rope. All right, all, right before your eyes, all the same size. All right, now do we have any believers? Still not, there's a, okay, here's one, <laughs> two, and three. There you go. 
all the same size right before your eyes. You see, because uh, Jesus sees us all exactly the same. Amen? Sinners needing a Savior. Now, that's the easy part. The hard part's putting them back. Okay, so no matter how you see yourself, the Lord, you still need a Savior. Amen? Let me try one more. I'm not doing so good here. <laughs> I call this the vanishing box, okay? So if you look at this box and, and you say, you know, okay, let's say this, this right here represents your sin, all right? So you take your, you take, put all your faith and trust in the Lord. There's never any perfect example. You put it in the Lord and the Lord will forgive you and he'll wipe it all away and it's gone. Amen? But he's not like, he's not like Satan or someone else. He does, oh, there you go. See, I messed up. He doesn't bring it back to you, all right? He wipes it away forever, amen? It's gone now, okay? <laughs> I'm usually better than that, okay. All right. But we do, we give them the gospel. Why do we do this? To give them the gospel, amen? And when they do raise their hand to be saved, we break them out one by one. There's Marie and one of the workers. There's some of the other workers. We try to deal with them one-on-one, -on -one, okay? We don't just say, hey, you're saved, all right? And we could do it in the basketball course. We do it in the basketball course because that's her favorite sport, okay? And you can get a crowd pretty easily. And these ladies sit in this uh, van here and dish out food to them all day long. It's usually about 120 degrees inside that van. And they do that for the love of the children, amen? Because you know what they are? They're just little kids. You know what they need to see? They need to see genuine godly love. They need to see that there's a Savior that loves them, amen? And that he paid the price. And they can know for sure they go into heaven putting their faith and trust in him. Okay, we also go to drug recovery program. And Marie, we're going to have to go really fast, okay? Um, and usually one or two people will raise their hand for salvation every time I go there. Um, okay, this right here is we do Bible clubs and VBSs. We go to the orphans. We go to the streets. Uh, I, do, I do puppetry. I do ventriloquism. I do balloon animals. And uh, all to get the kids' attention for the gospel, Amen. And we can preach in the public schools. This is just the ACE, this is the ACE school at Marie's Church, but we can go into the public schools and by, by permission, and they'll bring them in uh, by assembly, and you can preach to 1,000 kids in a week. Amen? Bible camp. This is very important. Bible camp is, uh, you know what? Who's ever been to Bible camp or sent someone to Bible camp? Yeah? You know what happens at Bible camp? The world's left behind. There's no cell phones. There's no TV. And after about two or three days of being preached two, two or three times a day and having, having counseling and having uh, God and I time, whatever you want to call it, lives change. Your heart opens up. Amen? And the noise is gone and, you, and lives are changed at camp. And uh, the, I will be, I will, once we get to the Philippines, I'll be transitioning to... Uh, president of the Bible Baptist Seminary of the Philippines, and I'll be influencing and training and helping plant churches. Uh, and there's, going, there's about 75 students right now. And this camp right here uh, is being uh, built out, and we got a couple of buildings. We can house about 200 right now, and it's designed where we can get 1,000. 1,000 campers, and I'll be over the camp. It's paid for. The land is paid for. There's no debt. And uh, we'll also bring the seminary there, and we're going to have a children's home there, a, a, an orphanage. Amen? All through the local church. Amen? Uh, that's going to take some time, but it's Lord willing to happen. One final thing before I, before I preach, and that is the feeding ministry. We go to in and around the dumps because some of the kids who are street kids, to get food and clothes and stuff like that, they go to the dump and they live there. 
That's just a fact. And so we take a little bit of food and give them the gospel. Amen. Now, I wanted to show you some pictures here. This is at Pastor Ted's uh, at Subic Bay Baptist Church. They have about 50 orphans, and they're busting at the seams. They can't take anymore. But I've learned a lot from him, and I will help him some more. And I go there and preach, and I learn from him, and he has a lot of connections to really help us out. Um, and this is at, I preach, was preaching there at Christmas. This is a couple of those little girls there were street kids, and they took them in. And they got saved, and they're being discipled and, and being trained and fed and clothed. Amen? But the little girl on the left, when I left the Philippines, she was still at the dump. There's no place for her. But you know what? There's hope. Amen? We want to go there and help plant churches and help build that orphanage and help bring those kids in like that. Amen? Now, I want to give you a note of hope. This right here is 129th Street Children on December 24th, 2019, and dozens of them came forward for salvation. I preached to them that day. Marie and I took them presents and food and stuff like that. And the pastor is Ronnie Kirbin right there in the white. Ronnie Kirbin at Iron Baptist Church, Orem Baptist Church, I'm sorry. And, and, and he was a street kid. He lived on the streets. He begged, he borrowed, he stole to survive. Pastor Ted came in, and they witnessed to him, and they, they took him in. He got saved. He showed promise, and they housed him, and they fed him, and they nurtured him in the admonition of the Lord, put him through seminary. He met a lady, got married, and started a church right where he came from. Amen? And that's the hope. He's a wonderful man. And we want to see this happen again. They don't have to be preachers, but they can be good church members. Amen? But you have to have a preacher, right? And the Bible says in Jude 22, and if some have compassion, making a difference. We can't reach 1.8 million. There's, there's 1 million street children on the island of Luzon. One in about every 60 people that you meet or that's in the, on that island have no home. But we can't reach them all, but we can reach some. Amen? And change their lives forever. Amen. Thank you. Okay, if you have any questions, you can come back to the back table or you can ask my wife. She has all the answers, okay? <laughs> all right, we have just enough time to preach some messages here tonight. Uh, Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. <clears throat> in Matthew chapter 9, we're going to be looking at what Jesus, in one verse it tells us what basically a synopsis in verse 35. Verse 35. And we're going to call this, people like, sometimes like to have a, a title, it's called A Call to Prayer. A Call to Prayer. And we're going to take a look at this very first verse right here is a synopsis of what Jesus Christ did while here on earth. This is, this is what he did. This, was, this is what his main thing, went. and here let me show you in verse 35. And if you want to take, uh, have points, number one would be commission or great, a great commission. And Jesus went about all the cities. Oklahoma City. And Jesus went about all the villages. That'd be like the little town I came from. What was he doing? He was teaching in their synagogues. And he was preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And he was healing every sickness and every disease among the people. You know what this is? This is the Great Commission. He was preaching the gospel. He was teaching. That's discipling. And he was healing or helping we don't have the power to heal. In other places, very similar to this passage, it says that he was feeding. And we can't feed 5,000 with a couple fish and some bread, right? We can't do that. But you know what we can do? We can help. And that's what we're supposed to be doing as a church, preaching the gospel, 
discipling, teaching, and helping. Amen? And here Jesus is modeling it for us. It's exactly what he did. And he went to all the cities that he could. He went to all the villages and everywhere in between. And as he did this, in verse 36, we see, if you take in notes, number two, compassion. Or a great, the great, a great compassion. In verse 36, but when he, Jesus, saw the multitudes. Remember, he's traveling around. He's seeing all these people. He saw the multitudes. He was moved with compassion. Now, this word moved here is an idea in other places of Scripture, like in 1 John. It says, bowels of mercy. This is from the very inner being of who our Lord Jesus Christ is. This is what moves the heart of God. People. Souls. And here he's moved with what? Compassion. Now, I think we sometimes get confused what compassion is. I'm, I'm a children's preacher pretty much, right, all these years. Uh, so I use them in very simplistic terms. You know what compassion is? It's a compound word. Passion, meaning a fervent love for something or someone. Compassion is a fervent love for something or someone in action. You see, compassion is love in action. And what did we say love was earlier? Giving. Love is giving. Did you know that love is an action? It's a verb. Uh, we, we usually uh, associate it with feeling, and there's feeling involved. But love is a verb. Love is a verb. It requires action. You see, I was, I was challenged in Bible college to come up with my own definition of love. Now, that's not easy. Much prayer, much contemplation. And I came up with this. Now, you may think, think differently, and that's fine. Your definition might be different. But this is what mine is. Love is the giving of oneself, asking nothing in return. Amen? That's love. And here we see that Jesus Christ is moved with compassion. Love in action. There's something that's got to be done. There's a need. And he's wanting something done, and he's having compassion on them. And you, and you say, well, why does he have such great compassion on them? Well, it says right here in the verse, because. Because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Now, he's, he's, he's talk, he, he mentions sheep here, but he's talking about souls. Amen? And so he calls us sheep. Did you know that you're sheep? Yeah, I'm sheep, you're sheep, right? Now, be, <laughs> I hate to break this to you, but sheep are stupid. <laughs> it's a fact. Uh, Jesus knows this. He knows that we're so stupid, we're going to follow the wrong sheep, right? We're going to get into trouble. We're going to go the wrong places. We're going to eat the wrong things. We're going to act the wrong way. Without a shepherd, we're going to get into trouble, right? Without someone that is preaching and teaching and helping us, we get into all sorts of trouble. Have you ever heard the, about the New Zealand shepherd? That's a true story. Uh, some of the finest wool in the world comes from New Zealand, by the way. Well, this New Zealand shepherd, he had thousands of sheep, many, many. And so he had this one flock, though, of about 1,000, and they were grazing out on this plateau. You know, a plateau, you know, with the, with the cliffs around it, but it's flat. And they were, they were doing fine. He was watching them from afar. But all of a sudden, out of nowhere, came a wolf. And it jumped out and it started chasing the sheep because it wanted to eat them. Well, the sheep got to running, right? And the fastest sheep got out in front. 
Now they're all following this fastest sheep and they're running for their lives because the wolf is just after them. And what happens is they run and run and run and all of a sudden they come to the cliff. And what do you think that fastest sheep, that first sheep does? You know what he does? Runs right off. Guess what the second sheep did? He followed him. What about the third sheep? Right. <laughs> 700 sheep ran off the cliff that day. But don't worry. Only about, not all of them died because after about two or 300 of them piled up, they became a big pluff ball. And the other ones, the other ones were bouncing off, okay? <laughs> That's a true story. And you know what? We're sheep. We're going to follow the wrong people. We're going to get into trouble. We're going to run off cliffs. We're, we, we need a shepherd, amen? The shepherd needs to be right there with the sheep. And so Jesus has a multitude. He sees the multitude. He has compassion on them because they fainted and they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Number three, the challenge, a great challenge, the challenge. Verse 37. This is a challenge to us, by the way. Then saith he, Jesus, unto his disciples. Now, by the way, we, we should be disciples of Christ. Amen. But uh, let me tell you this. Uh, you may have never thought of this before. Maybe you have. Did you know discipleship is actually a choice? Discipleship is one who chooses to be Christ-like, the one that he is following. He chooses to love what he loves and hate what he hates. Now, let me just ask you, what does Jesus love? Souls. What does he hate? Sin. And you see, as a disciple is a choice, but let me tell you this, what's not a choice, the moment you're saved, if you are born again here today, you automatically are enlisted, you automatically become an ambassador for Christ. Now, the USA has some pretty bad ambassadors, don't we? I'm pretty ashamed of most of them, most of the time. But we ought not be, Jesus ought not be ashamed of us, amen? So an ambassador is who? It's somebody that represents the one that sent you. So as an ambassador of Christ, and if you're born again, you are one, you are supposed to represent Christ. So in other words, everything you say, everything you do, and everywhere you go should be a reflection of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. Please don't raise your hand. Between you and the Lord, are you being or have you been a good ambassador? Or has Jesus been ashamed of us? Let me just say one other thing. When you're born again, you automatically become a missionary. And you're going, huh? Yeah, a missionary, you know what a missionary is? A sent one. A sent one, that's what it means. Sent to do what? To tell others about Christ. So as an ambassador, you represent. As a missionary, you present Christ. And I teach the children, look, there's only two kinds of missionaries. Good ones and bad ones. Yeah. You know what the good ones do? They tell people about Jesus. You know what the bad ones do? They don't. And I'm going to ask you one more question, if you don't mind. Are you being a good missionary? Are you telling others about Christ? Are you here for visitation? Are you handing out tracts? Are you inviting people to come to church and hear the gospel? Are you going on the special events? Have you been... And are you being a good missionary? 
You see, because the next step is being a disciple because that's a choice. And let me just ask this. As a disciple, we should all be disciples sitting here today. Every one of us. Do you love souls? Do you love what Jesus hates and hates what he... Do you love souls? Now, I mean really love souls. It's either love souls or love self. You can't have it both ways. Because it's like two magnets and they go like this, boom. Self and souls, boom. If you love yourself, you're never going to truly love souls the way Jesus Christ loves souls. You're never truly going to have compassion, love and action, giving of yourself and of your possessions, your resources to see souls saved with love and joy in your heart. Let me just ask you this. Do you hate what Jesus hates? He hates sin. Do you hate sin? No, I mean really hate it. Because the Bible says if you hate sin, you'll pluck out your eye if you're watching something you shouldn't watch. The Bible says if you're doing things you shouldn't be doing, cut off your hand. If you're going places you ought not be going, you should cut off your foot. That's what the Bible says. Now, Pastor, I'm not telling the people to go maim themselves here tonight. But I'm saying the Bible urges us to be holy. You know, across the pulpits in America today, you won't hear holiness preaching. Very rare. Because you lose half your members most of the time. You see, Christ calls us to be holy. He says, be ye therefore holy, for I am holy. It's a command. We're supposed to love what he hates. We're supposed to love what he loves and hate what he hates. And he hates sin. Do you hate sin? Because we should, in order to be true disciples of Christ. And so he's talking to us in verse 37. Then saith he, Jesus, unto us, his disciples. Here's what he said to him. The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. What does that mean? The harvest truly is Who's he talking about? Souls, right? So he's talking about unsafe. So you know what he's saying? There's no lack of sinners. There's no shortage of people who need to be saved. You don't have to go on some hunt. Oh, I hope I find a sinner today. Ooh, where's he at? Now you walk out those doors. You'll run into them. Amen? So they're everywhere. There's multitudes, right? The harvest truly is plenteous. If you can imagine yourself as a farmer and, and you raise crops, and, and, you know, I'm from the state of Missouri, and we raised all kinds of crops, and, and when, they were, when they were ready to be harvested, we could eat them, right? But when I went down to Florida, down in South Florida, down in Florida there, there was something down south that I'd never seen before. You know what it was? Cotton. And cotton grows about this tall, and when it's ready to be harvested, it's white, you think it's three foot of snow. And so there's all that cotton. And just picture yourself a farmer. If you have to, close your eyes. I have a good imagination because I've worked with kids. And as far as you can see, and sometimes you can see 10, 20, 30 miles, even in your peripheral, as far as you can see, it's white, white, white. This is your best harvest ever. Woo! Yes, the bumper crop of all bumper crops. That'd be exciting, wouldn't it? And you go out there, but then you look around. And there's nobody to help you. All you can get was what you can gather in. That'd be a bummer. You know, the only thing worse than a bad crop, it's a bumper crop that you can't bring in. Somebody tell me, what happens to crops when they're ready to be harvested if you don't harvest it? Just yell it out. 
Yes, rots. You know what? It decays. It drops to the ground. It's wasted. What happens to cotton? You don't eat cotton. But what happens to cotton if you don't harvest it? Same thing. It's wasted. What happens to souls that aren't harvested? They're wasted. And not for a season. There's no other chance. Once they're gone, they're wasted forever, forever in hell. And so the, 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 the harvest is plenteous, folks. It's right here in Oklahoma City. It's in Montana. It's in the Philippines. It's people. They're everywhere. The problem is, the Bible says, but the laborers are few. Amen. But you know what? Jesus never gives us a problem without giving us a solution. And he says in verse number 38, here's the answer. And this right here is called the command or a great command. And what's the first word of verse 38, everybody? Can you say it again? Pray. Pray. You know what the answer is? Pray. Now, I'm a kid's preacher, so I want you to get involved with this next little moment here. And I'll be done in just a minute, I promise. Can you raise your finger for me? Raise it nice and high. Okay, say ye. Is me. Wow, you guys are doing good. Say ye. ye. Is me. Yeah. Now let's read the first two words of verse 38. Pray yeah. me. See, ye is a plural word. Now I just have to ask you, is a pastor supposed to pray? Yeah. Missionaries? Oh, yeah. How about you? Yeah. See, this means everybody is supposed to pray ye, me. The answer right here, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And you know what? We are being sent to the Philippines. And so when I hold up the card and ask you to pray, I sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, mean it. Will you pray for us? Pray that God will get us there. And pray for four things. Number one, souls to be saved. Number two, lives to be changed. What does that mean? For them to be discipled, baptized, discipled, and join the church. Amen? Lives to be saved. Souls to, souls to be saved. Lives to be changed. Churches to be planted. And hope to be given to those lost boys and girls on the street. Amen. Will you guys pray with us about that? I'd sure appreciate it. I'm going to give one final illustration, Pastor, and then you come up. This is a, this is a uh, story. This is a true story. And it's about a, uh, a, a military soldier. And this soldier was a nurse. And this nurse happened to be a lady. But she had the worst job in the world. As, as the war would rage on and the wounded would come through, she had to tag them one of three ways. Who got to see the surgeon and who didn't, based on their wounds? If you, saw, if, if you, if you tried to save the wrong one, you might, several might die in the process. You had to be very quick at this. You had to make split-second decisions. As they came through, if they were just wounded, not lost much blood, surely if they see a surgeon, they'll make it. She would tag them hopeful. And if they came through and a little more severely wounded, she would tag them doubtful. But if they came through and it looked mortal, she would tag them hopeless. Well, the story goes that a young man came through and he was wounded so badly, he was hardly recognizable as a man. And she tried to get vitals, could barely get vitals, so she tagged him hopeless and started to move away. But the story goes that with whatever strength he had at that moment, he moved his finger. And so she put her ear to his mouth and he whispered, and she looked up and then went about her business. But she hastily, she couldn't get out of her mind and out of her head what he had said. So she hastily ran back and ripped off hopeless and tagged him with doubtful. 
Well, the story goes he actually got to see the surgeons, amen? And he, 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 lived, it, he lived, it's a miracle. And you say, J.B., why are you telling us that story? Because I believe there should be no child, no soul, tagged hopeless. If we do nothing, that's exactly what you've done. That's exactly what I've done. That's exactly what we've done. We've tagged them hopeless if we do nothing. And the least we can do is pray. You know what? If you're old, you can pray. If you're young, you can pray. If you're rich or poor, you can pray. Sick or healthy, you can pray. Educated or uneducated, you can pray. You know who can pray? Everybody can pray. Amen? So we're asking you to pray. You know, because you're not guaranteed another minute. You know what the Bible says in James 4.14 in part? It says, what is your life? Even a vapor. It appears for a little time like this piece of paper and then vanisheth away. You're not guaranteed another minute, another moment, another day, another hour. So don't wait till tomorrow to pray. Start now. Amen? Amen. Thank you very much, Pastor. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for uh, the time we've had together tonight to hear from this uh, faithful couple who wants to get the gospel desperately to those souls there in the Philippines. Father, I pray you give us a passion to reach the souls here in our own Jerusalem. I pray, Lord, that uh, you would help us to remember that life is a vapor the people that we come in contact with may be the only chance they have to come to Christ. Help us, Lord, to have a, a burden, a, a compassion in our hearts like you have for us. Uh, may we be moved with compassion to do something about it. Um, help us, Lord, to be faithful to give out these um, invitations to our church that have the gospel on them. Help us, Lord, to be willing to talk to people, our coworkers, our neighbors, our family, uh, regarding the truth of the gospel. Uh, Lord, I pray that uh, you would help us to be faithful to pray for laborers, um, those who are already going, but then that many more would go. I pray, Lord, for the young people in our church. Lord, I, I pray that each of them would, would desire to do your will for their life. Um, but, Lord, I can't help but think that perhaps you would want to use one or more of them, to serve you in the harvest field. And I pray, Lord, that you would call them and that they would surrender uh, to the great call of God upon their life. 